0: First Samuel twenty-five is really uh, just it's it's really an enlightening passage. Uh, Remember how we talked about David and how he's not a man that that never failed, but he's a man that never gave up. Remember us saying that. And this is one of those passages where we get to see, uh, in some ways, his failure, but also his commitment to not give up. Um, So we've been studying the life of David. He's continuing to go through this long season of adversity, Um, and so he's in this. Really, uh, chapter after chapter, it's just these these unique scenarios where he's presented with really, how do I respond? What is the Lord saying? What do I do here? And a lot of times, it's retrospectively, "Wow, I should have done this." <laughs> but you see this dialogue with David, and we can read it kind of both in the First and Second Samuel, but also through the Psalms. You see this this man that's dialoguing with God, right? And um, at times, he's dry, and he gives into his flesh, and, but then he goes back, and that's when we read about the repentant psalms. We read about the laments and things like that. But what I love about David is that he is, he's the one that wrote Psalm 27 four, one thing I ask of the Lord that I shall seek, that I may behold the beauty of the Lord all the days of my life. You know, to behold, to look at God every single season. So he's in the season of adversity, but he's asking, Lord, give me grace that I would look upon you no matter what's happening circumstantially. No matter what's going on, whether I'm a student at PLU, whether I'm getting straight A's or getting a B in a class, Lord, um, <laughs> uh, what are you, uh, what's your opinion about this matter? What are you thinking right now? And so I want to pray as we start here, say that the Lord would give us grace um, to more actively engage in this dialogue with him. What's your opinion right now, Lord? What are you thinking? Um, what, what do you think about me? And it's sounds as a scary thought, but when we engage in that, it actually uh, it liberates our hearts because he begins to speak uh, just love over us when, he, when we uh, ask him. So, Lord, I just pray right now, um, would you help us engage in this dialogue with you? Um, that we may approach every circumstance um, in the lens of who you are and what you think and and what you're doing. Help us see in light of eternity and not just be narrow minded to our, our 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 own circumstances or our fleshly desires. But help us be uh, uh, joining you and partnering with you and and uh, encountering your heart as we as we learn about with uh, these testimonies. God, we thank you for those testimonies and. That that you are faithful to speak to us. You're a God that hears and dialogues. You're a God that engages in your people. We thank you for that. Help our hearts engage with you, even now. Um, If there's anyone here just senses distraction, or maybe you've been having a difficult week, I just encourage all of us to come as we are before the Lord. He is good. We love you. Amen. Amen, amen. So I'm going to read through this passage. I'm reading from the NASB, which is a... um, pretty accurate version, English version of the Bible. It's a little bit choppy uh, and as you read it, but it's accurate. And so I wanted to read from this just because I think there's some wording that's important. Um, so have grace with me as I kind of read through this. But I want to start First Samuel 25. Remember, we're, we're following up uh, one of David's great victories in uh, 1 Samuel 24, because David was uh, chose not to force his way into the kingdom for in the sense of the... Being the king of Israel, um, he didn't force his way in, but but he sought the Lord. He respected and honored his authority, um, and sought the Lord's opinion, even though everyone else was telling him to do um, the opposite. Um, take a hold of of what you can right now, you know, and kill the king so that you can become king and end this adversity. So we talked about that. I won't go over that again, but it's important to note David is actually approached with a similar circumstance. But responds differently here, and we'll go through why potentially he responded differently with a different heart. So, let's go ahead and read it. So, First Samuel twenty-five. Then Samuel died, and all Israel gathered together and mourned for him and buried him at the house of Ramah. And David arose and went down to the wilderness of Paran. Now there was a man in Moan whose business was in Carmel, and the man was very rich, and he had three thousand sheep and a thousand goats. And it came about while he was shearing his sheep in Carmel. Now, the man's name was Nabal, and his wife's was Abigail. And the woman was intelligent, some versions say discerning, and beautiful in appearance. But the man was harsh and evil in his dealings, and he was a Calebite. So I'm going to pause there real quick. You see this contrast with Ab- Abigail, who's both discerning and beautiful in appearance. Um or sometimes you don't get those two together, so that's you know you're getting a, a pretty a, amazing a woman, and and the contrasting with Nabal, who's harsh and evil in his dealings, and so we get to see this contrast, and really we'll see uh, Nabal is representing a foolish man, and he is a foolish man. Um, so then, verse four, then David heard in the wilderness that Nabal. Was shearing his sheep. So David sent ten young men, and David said to the young man, Go up to Carmel, visit Nabal, and greet him in my name. And thus you shall say, Have a long life, peace be to you, and peace to your house, and peace to all that you have. Now I have heard that you have shearers. Now your shepherds have been with us, and we have not insulted them, nor have we missed anything all the days. They were in Carmel ask your young men and they will tell you therefore let my young men uh, find favor in your eyes for we have come on this festive or feast day because uh, please give me uh, give whatever you find a hand to your servants and to your son David so it wasn't uh, in this was culturally this wasn't absurd to to ask for um, for help for uh, provisions. It was uh, a time where there's extra help and there's a lot of feasts. And so this was a a uh, a reasonable request of David. Um, And so when David's young men, verse 9, came, uh, they spoke to Nabal concerning according to all these words in David's name. And uh, then they waited. But Nabal answered David's servants and said, Who is David and who is the son of Jesse? Uh, Even though he does know who he is. Uh, there are many servants today who are each breaking away from his master. Shall I then take my bread and my water and my meat and that I have slaughtered for my shears and give it to men whose origin I do not know? Um, note there how many times he says my, right? My she, my, you know. You're getting this sense of a man that's just consumed with himself. Um, so verse thir- 12, so David's young men Retraced their way and went back, and they came and told um, him according to all these words. David said to his men, "Each of you gird on his sword." So each man girded on his sword or grabbed a sword, and David also girded on his sword. And about four hundred men went up behind David, uh, while two hundred stayed with the baggage. So. Right now, David uh, was infuriated with his response, with Nabal's response, and so he gathered the armies together and said, Let's go after, let's seek revenge. Let's seek after and avenge ourselves. Um, but, verse 14, verse 14, but one of the young men told Abigail, Nabal's wife, saying, Behold, David sent messengers from the wilderness to greet our master, and he scorned them. Yet the men were very good to us, and they were. Uh, not insulted, nor did we miss anything as long as we went about with them while we were in the fields. They were a wall to us both by day, by night and de- by day, all the time we were with them um, tending the sheep. Now therefore, know and consider what you should do, for evil is plotted against our master and against all his household, and he is uh, such a worthless man that no one can speak to him. Really don't want that written about me. Not only is he worthless, but no one should even talk to him because he's not worth the reasoning with. Worthless man. Wow. So um, we've got this, this scenario where they're the the Na'bel's servants are speaking well of David's men, saying they're great men. They protected us. They made sure our sheep were well. They've done this throughout the years. Um, but yet I want to... Uh, tell you Abigail that there is a plot against our master's life and so Abigail responds and I I think it's important to read through this also thank you guys for following with me this is good Um, verse 18 then Abigail hurried and took 200 loaves of bread and two jugs of wine and five sheep already prepared and five measures of roasted grain and a 100 clusters of raisins and 200 cakes of figs and loaded them on donkeys She said to her young men, go on before me. Behold, I'm coming after you. But she did not tell her husband, Nabal. So this is pretty scandalous. You may not think it's much, but in that day for uh, a a wife to go and do this was was considered um, kind of scandalous. But she knew that she had to do this in order to save um, his life. And so she went out, didn't tell him, and brought the provisions to David's men. So. Verse 20, it came about as she was riding on her donkey and coming down by the hidden part of the mountain that behold, David and his men were coming down toward her, so she met them. Now David had said, this is a kind of, again, he's, he's red hot, he's angry, and this is his, his words that come out, his venom that comes out. Surely in vain I have guarded all that this man has in the wilderness so that nothing was missed. Of all that belong to him, and he has returned me evil for good. May God do so to the enemies of David, and more so if by morning I have as much as one male of any who belong to him. So again, he's red hot, but uh, he's in this place where he's giving into his flesh, and he's it's it's uh, responding with anger and letting it have its full vent, and saying, "I need to." Who is this man that he speaks to me like this? Um, I mean, how many of us can relate to times where we get angry and we look back and we're like, that was kind of ridiculous? I do, right? Sometimes I get angry at my kids and it's like you look back and you're like, you're three years old. Like, I mean, anger isn't, isn't bad, but sometimes you let it have its full vent and then you do things that you regret. In David's case, he's about to slaughter and murder these people. Um, So verse 23, this is actually a really um, amazing example of how you approach someone that is going to do harm to you or how you respond to someone. Maybe it's a professor that has wrongly uh, graded you or done something like that. How do you approach those situations? Or maybe it's a boss or someone like that. So this is, I think, Abigail's example It's perhaps one of the best we have in uh, Scripture. When Abigail saw David, she hurried and dismounted from her donkey and fell on her face before David and bowed herself to the ground. So she's showing him respect. Um, David at this point is still angry, right? He's still uh, desiring to kill all of these people. She fell at his feet and said, On me alone, my Lord, be the blame, and please let your maidservant speak to you. And listen to the words of your maidservant. So he's, she's begging for a voice. Listen to me in this time. Please do not let my Lord pay attention to this worthless man, Nabal, her husband. Don't suggest you talk, speak of your husband in that manner, but um, he is a worthless man. But for as his name is, so is he. Nabal is his name, and folly is with him. So Nabal actually means folly. Um, so that's kind of too bad for him. But I, your maidservant, did not see the young men of my Lord whom you sent. Now, therefore, my Lord, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, since the Lord has restrained you from shedding blood and from avenging yourself by your own hand, now then let your enemies and those who seek evil against m- my Lord be as Nabal. Now let this gift which your maidservant has brought to my Lord be given to the young men who accompany my Lord. Please forgive the transgression of your maidservant for the Lord. She's appealing before him. The Lord will certainly make for my Lord an enduring house because my Lord is fighting the battles of the Lord. And evil will not be found in you all your days. Should anyone rise up and pursue you and seek your life, then the life of my Lord shall be bound in the bundle of the living with the Lord your God. But the lives of your enemies he will sling out from a hollow of sling. So a lot, a lot of verses here, but again, just continue to engage engaged with this. And when the Lord does for my Lord according to all the good that he has spoken concerning you and appoints you ruler over Israel, this will not cause grief or a troubled heart to my Lord, both by having shed blood without cause and by my Lord having avenged himself. When the Lord deals well with my Lord, then remember your maidservant. So again, I believe Abigail, ultimately empowered by the Holy Spirit, was able to turn David's heart around. Um, so I actually think there's times like these where we can speak up in defense, um, where the Lord can anoint. Again, this is this is part of uh, our desire to be in dialogue with the Lord. I don't think we need to defend ourselves over and over again. But here's a uh, situation where the Lord is using Abigail to turn David's heart around. Um, and I think it's, it's pretty amazing. So then David said to Abigail, Blessed, so now we see a shift in his heart, which is so cool. Um, I long to be just transformed. I mean, it just shows that David's heart is soft um, in the sense that he's allowing conviction to take place. Then, the Lord, uh, then David said to the Abigail, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel who sent you this day to meet me. I mean, how many of us respond to people like that who are calling out our sin? (laughs) Blessed be the Lord God for you have come to me and convicted me in front of all these people of my sin. I mean, seriously, it's it's something I believe. And again, there's a whole lot more to learn about this, but should happen more in the church. I believe we are called as brothers, not only believe, the Bible says, as Christians, as brothers and sisters, we're called to help each other walk away from folly, help each other get out of sin. And I've given permission to those that I trust to speak into my life and speak uh, where they see folly, speak truth into my life. And Abigail was that instrument that God had used to shift David's heart which I think is so cool. So blessed be the Lord God Israel who sent you to me this day, and blessed be your discernment, and blessed be you who have kept me this day from bloodshed and from avenging myself by my own hand. So again, he was about to avenge himself by his own hand against Nabal, who was a lesser, of lesser importance than that of Saul who was the king of Israel, but for whatever reason, he was able to restrain himself, and I have some thoughts on that, restrain himself in avenging himself against Saul, but he got red hot when Nabal came against him. So, uh, verse 34, Nevertheless, as the Lord God of Israel lives, who has restrained me from harming you, unless you uh, had come quickly to meet me, surely there would have not been left Um, to Nabal until the morning light as much as one male. So David received from her hand and she had brought him and said to her, go up to your house in peace. See, I have listened to you and granted your request. Okay, so I'm going to summarize the last portion which is verse 36 on. Um, I think, I'm just going to side note, I think it's important to read the scripture together. I like doing that. So, um, at the end of this passage, there's a whole other uh, sermon on Nabal and the hardness of his heart. We're not going to go there, but essentially a- Abigail came to him. He was feasting. He was drunk, and she said, okay, I'm going to wait until he's not drunk so I can actually talk to him. And it says when the wine had gone out of him, she tried to reason with him, and he ultimately said his heart became his stone, and he just got hard-hearted. You know, unfortunately, sometimes I see um, people that have lived a long life have be- and, and chosen bitterness over and over and over again, and the hardness that is caused in their heart makes me sad. Um, and s- this was an example of that. And so 10 days he was ultimately just sitting there. I just picture him just hard-hearted, just, why, why have you done this to me? And th- the Lord ultimately took his life, which is another um, Another sermon as well. Um, but David then rejoiced in the Lord after he found out that uh, Nabal was smote by the Lord. Um, he rejoiced in the Lord. And I believe it actually was a righteous rejoicing. Um, but we, again, can get into that. I don't think he was just, sweet, now I've got Abigail. Because eventually, we if you know the story, he takes Abigail as his wife, um, who was beautiful and intelligent. So it worked out pretty good for him. Um, but regardless, he took her as his wife um and i'll I'll pause there um but there's kind of a cool ending to that where she rides on in her donkey with five of her um maidens and kind of rides in and it 's like a love story right so um but the the point of this passage I really want to hone into, and uh, we only have five minutes to hit there, which is fantastic um <laughs> yes. the point I really want to hit. Uh, is why did David respond differently to Nabal than he did to Saul? What was the difference? And and here's what I think is happening. I think this is a crucial uh, uh, point for us all to heed to. I mean, all of us would be frustrated. David, you're on a roll. You're doing great. Why did you all of a sudden turn on this one man who just was rude to you. Yeah, he was an evil man, and he's rude, and you can get food other, other ways. You know that God provides. He's shown, you can see, like, probably other mighty men or other men with him are probably frustrated. Um, but he's on a roll, and he's doing great, and it's just so frustrating. But here's, here's, I think, what the principle is, and this is what stands out to me, that I think we all need to heed to, is there's no such thing as a super Christian. Do you know what I mean by that? That you never arrive to a point where temptation is beyond you, where you're above temptation. You never get to enough victories where you can stack up and say, awesome, now I'm on the mountain, uh, the zenith, where I no longer am subdued to temptation. It does not happen, and we always, and I hear, here's what I think the warning is, let's always guard our hearts, no matter who we are. Guard our hearts, what does it say in the Bible, for from it what flows the, Wellspring of life. And I think that's where David went wrong here is he stopped guarding his heart. And I think he got cocky. I think I think he's like, sweet, yes, I did the right thing. That's way to go, David, you know, patting himself on the back. And I think he got cocky, and I think we've been there. Where we've done something great in the Lord, but ultimately, who should we be rejoicing in? The Lord himself, who allowed us to have victory and we, re, we don't realize in our cockiness, we're now sacrificing the very reason we were victorious in the first place, which is our dependence on God. We start to get cocky, we start to get arrogant in our victories. I mean, so, some of you have been walking with Jesus for quite a while. Have you seen that in the church? Seen people, God's used great ways and great people, but something happens where they just go completely opposite direction. We've seen that, and I just, it mourns my heart. Like, I, gr- I grieve over that. And so I just want to say to myself, when I look at that, oh, he's different. That is not what I want to say. I want to say, Lord, I can do the same thing if, if, if I didn't have your spirit, if I didn't depend on your spirit every day. I think that's the piece that I want to, so I want to encourage us with this one point, that if I were able to sit down with David, which would be Ultimately, I just want to listen to him. If I did, but if I was able to speak something right before this moment, I'd say, "Guard your heart, guard your heart, David." The Bible repeats this over and over again. The same principle. Um, Jeremiah seventeen nine says, "The heart is more deceitful than anything than all else, and is des- desperately sick. Who can understand it?" Um, Proverbs twenty eight twenty six, "He who trusts in his own heart is a fool." but he who walks wisely will be delivered. Psalm 139, 23. Connor did a devotion on Psalm 139, didn't you? You didn't. Just joking. <laughs> Joke. Um, all right. Fair. Um, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. So I think that's a powerful prayer for us all to search me, God. I want to be open to you. Search my heart. See if there's any wicked way in me. Lead me in the way of understanding. So the first thing I want to say to David is guard your heart second thing I'd want to say to him is a small temptation, just this is kind of a mouthful, but I couldn't shorten it. A small temptation is likely to prevail after a greater has been resisted. You See what I'm saying? A small temptation is likely to prevail after a greater has been resisted. Why, why would that be? And I already explained that. After we have this great victory, we let our guard down, which is kind of the fir- first two points are related. We let our guard down. And then those things come in, and we start to give in to other temptations. So I just would say to David, like, David, yes, praise God, but remember why you had that strength in the first place. But ultimately, in those times when we have these great victories, we become less conscious of our need of God's grace in our life often. That's why, again, my exhortation to us is let's stay in this dialogue Stay in this dialogue. I didn't mean to say that in like a, stay in this dialogue. Like, I'm mad. But I'm just saying, like, that's that's my heart. Like, Lord, help me continue to engage with you in every season. Um, You know, a common kind of uh, thing people talk about is a camp high. And then you come down from that. Um, I don't like that term. I think it's dumb. But um, the principle is you've seen God move in mighty ways. And then... He's moved in great ways and then you start to get really excited about how he's moving and then you get back to real life and you stop allowing God to move in the context of a new circumstance. And it's hard to reconcile. God moved then. Why is he not moving now? He is still moving. So the third thing I'd say um, is, is this. And this would be kind of like a This would be more something I'd speak in afterwards and kind of exhortation to him. Good job. Um, This is the reality of God is he often will intervene in our lives by his mercy to help us stay in tune with him. Here's an instance where he sent Abigail to ultimately save David from committing a horrible sin. And, and I think we can't rely on those interventions, but I'm thankful when they do come. And I think we have to be open to allowing. And I mean, think what would David, if his heart was too hard, he wouldn't have received that correction. So I think all of us have to be receptive and take those moments and say, Okay, thank you, Lord, for intervening in my life, preventing me from going down the way of folly. And so I would encourage us, if we sense those, and I think actually if we were to look back on our day, and a week, we'd probably start to observe more than we realize God intervening <laughs> and actively participating, helping our eyes fix on Him. And so I'm just thankful, and I want us to be praising Him and say, Thank you, Lord, for helping my eyes stay on you and intervening in times of sin, uh, where I may be in times of temptation. Um, I've heard testimonies of, of guys that I've met with and, um, you know, pornography is, is rampant in our age and something that I'm constantly talking to people about. But I've heard of times where, you know, the Lord has intervened and a power outage has happened or something like, you know, something like that. And I am like, I meet with them and I'm like, praise God. Like, you can't rely on that, but praise God. Remember to praise him in those times when he helps us. To not give in to destruction. God is good like that. And so I want to be a people that, that praise him. So let's, um, and then David responds by repenting. And I, you, we read that together, but he repents. Um, Thank you, Lord. I repent. I'm God, forgive me. And he turns away, and he, and he doesn't commit that sin. Um, and so the 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 thing I want to just pray for, and let's stand together. We're just out of time. Um, it's been it's this this series has been life giving for me. It's been practical. Uh, I've seen application. I want to talk to people about it all the time, and uh, I want us to keep talking to God about this. But here's here's what I want to just say to us, and the thing we can take away from here is we never get to the point. In fact, there's um. Uh, took a class on um, East Asian religions and one of those being Buddhism and the the Buddhism is really the idea that uh, you can reach nirvana or all suffering will end if you can become good enough and you basically have this enlightenment where you stop thinking about bad things and all of a sudden you're the super Buddha or whatever right and so what it really is is this wrong view of performance and trying to become this super Christian that eventually can end suffering in your own self. I'm just thankful that's not the God we serve. What we can do is keep turning back to the mercy of Jesus and know that we're never capable without him. You see the difference? And you see why we can destructively start to really, in some sense, become... um, eastern in our thought and how we can think that we can reach this zenith of Christianity or this pinnacle where we've surpassed the point of where I can't be tempted anymore. Maybe you wouldn't say those words, but ultimately sometimes we live that way. Maybe it's in a particular area. You're like, oh, I've conquered this thing, right? Go back to the issue of pornography. I've seen it over and over again when they get, when guys are, I talk to guys mostly, I know it's a regardless of gender issue, but but they, they think they've got it, got it taken care of, I've reached the pinnacle, ended that sin. Um, and reality is, we have to keep trusting in Jesus. And so David gave in to that sin. That's what I believe happened, as he was getting arrogant in his own victories. Lord, help us continue to, To rely on you. Help us to continue to say, Lord, I need you now. I need you more than ever. No matter what, I need you now. And help me to continue to to humble myself and let you lift me up.